Um, today, we're going to do something that I, I went through all of my notes this last week and in my reading. I said, gosh, what am I going to do my sermon on? And I went through I In all the years as a preacher, I have never preached on Psalm 23. That's astounding to me. So I, today I'm rectifying that. I'm going to, we're going to dive into Psalm 23. I know it's kind of an, an easy punt. Maybe, oh, Psalm 23. Why didn't you do Psalm 91? Why don't you do all these other ones that we read this week? But, you know, as I, I thought I knew Psalm 23. I mean, there was a time when I memorized it and I, I, I mean, I just love it. You hear it often of if any place in the Old Testament, most people, even who are nominally devoted to Jesus or to God, know this psalm. And so, don't dismiss me early. Don't you do it. Okay? So, go to your phone, your, your book, your Bible, and go to Psalm 23. And we are going to, we're going to read it in its entirety. <laughs> Ooh, that's long. It's six verses. So, we're going to read it. And then we're going to, hopefully, you'll see it in a different perspective, okay? So, Psalm 23, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now, if you read the 1984 edition, it sounds like Psalm 23. If you read the New NIV Version, it just doesn't sound like Psalm 23. So, I went to, I'm going to the New King James. So, read along with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, there are times when you need to find a psalm that is going to comfort you and that is going to help you. Psalm 23 is it. I mean, it really is. It's, it's good stuff. But um, I'd like to take it from a different perspective today. By the way, when David called God his shepherd, that was not the first time God was called shepherd. Did you know when Jacob was giving the uh, blessings to all of his sons in Egypt just before he died... This is where, you know, he talks about Judah never having the scepter leave him, being the the sort of leading the fact that someone from Judah was going to be king forever. And that talks about David, talks about Jesus. He talks about Joseph. Now, Joseph is one of his sons, but Joseph got double portion. He's the one that got the double portion. That is why we had two sons of Joseph that became into the tribes. But here's what he says in Genesis 49, 22 through 24. I'm reading from the NIV. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. 
With bitterness, archers attack him, and they shot at him with hostility. But his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob. Because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. And so, this was not unknown in in Israel that God would be known as shepherd. So, in, in Psalm 23... There are actually two major metaphors that David, this is a a psalm of David, alludes to. The first one we get is shepherd. Okay? And we find that in the first four verses of Psalm 23. But the second one is just alluded to. Is God as host. And this is important in the ancient eastern world of host. And so we need to look at that too. So, but let's 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 go and let's just go verse by verse here. And so the first verse in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I I, I seriously could probably preach the entire sermon today just on those words. Okay, he says, the Lord. Now, if you look at your your Bibles, hopefully, Lord. The L, the O, the R, the D are all capitalized. And we know from our previous study that when it says that, that's actually the personal name of God, Yahweh. So whoever wrote this did not want to have Yahweh's name be just treated any, it need to be sacred, not to be really bespoken. So you had a tetragrammaton. But it literally is Yahweh. And so that's the personal name. David is saying, not just any God, but Yahweh is my shepherd. And is, not was or will be, is. It's in the present tense. So he is being able to speak. He's talking about the God of the universe. The God of heaven, the God of Jacob, Yahweh is his name. He is my shepherd. And David, being a shepherd himself, he knows what that means. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, oftentimes you will see kings, you will see people talking about God, and it says, our God, meaning the God of Israel. God, Yahweh, is, is our God. But David doesn't say that. He says, he is my God. So, not only is he the God of the nation of Israel, but he is the God of David. It means it's, he's the God of the individual, too. The nation as well, but also the individual. And so, he is my shepherd, now, oftentimes, many people read, Lord is my shepherd. Lord is my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Because there's lots of people that I have known that know this, this verse, and they read it, and they think it. Shepherd has some serious connotations. Shepherd means leader. He's the one that directs you. He's the one that calls your shots. And, and we'll die into that. So, when David's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, 
if you read this verse, is the Lord your shepherd? Your shepherd. Is the Lord my shepherd? So there's so much more we can go in there. But it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Charles Spurgeon said something amazing about this particular verse. He said this, the Lord is my shepherd. He must, someone, whoever for one, I'll start over. Here's a quote. Before one can truly say the Lord is my shepherd, he must first acknowledge and feel in himself that he has the nature of a sheep. I found a really good video. It's really short, talking about sheep. And hopefully we can watch that now. Oh, we have a sheep stuck. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he's free. Oh, that's so great. It, oh. <laughs> Folks, that's a sheep. They aren't the brightest people. Brightest ones around, brightest animal around. But when I think about it, I am that sheep. God has saved me from so many things, and I go right back in the trench. I, I really? And so we need to acknowledge that if the Lord is your shepherd, that you are indeed a sheep, and you need to be shepherded. You know? Okay. So says so the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. What David is saying here is that all of his needs are supplied by the Lord. Because God was David's shepherd, he lacked nothing. The NLT says, I have all that I need. Not all that I want, but all that I need. All that sheep need is a good shepherd. A good shepherd. Because in the very nature of a good shepherd, he's the one who will supply the needs and provide for the sheep. The sheep doesn't have to worry about where the food is, where the water is, where to go. Because the, sh- the shepherd guides them. The shepherd puts them places where they can get food. Psalm 34.10 says something a little similar like this. He says this, The young lions may lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Interesting. To have God as our shepherd is to have everything we need. It does not mean he will have, we will have everything we want, but we will be cared for, we will be loved, and provided for. Here's what the New International Version, um, New King James Version in the, in the New Testament says. Oddly, Roger mentioned Philippians 4 this, this morning. If you continue on in Philippians 4, verse 19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory 
by Christ Jesus. That sounds like a promise to me. You know, we live in a society today where we tend to think of ourselves as always lacking something. Oh, if I only had this, if I just need a little bit more. But the Lord our God is sufficient, really. And if we can come to grips with that, we need nothing else. Like a good shepherd, and Jesus called himself the good shepherd, we really lack nothing. Psalm 23, 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down on green pastures. Listen, that has the connotation that sometimes we as sheep don't know what we need. Sometimes we think we know what we need, but it could be for our detriment. If you think of the idea of Jesus talking about the hundred sheep and the one that goes astray, the reason why the shepherd goes after the one and not the 99 is because when a sheep is by himself, he is prey. Prey to his own device, sheep in a trench. No defense against any predators. His only defense is to be eaten, basically. And so, if we look at the fact that God is our shepherd and he makes us lie down to rest in green pastures because he knows what's good for us. And sometimes what God knows is best for us, we will fight against in every way, shape, or form. Sometimes it's going through some bad stuff, some challenging stuff, some uncomfortable stuff. But God will may allow that to happen because he's a good shepherd. So, the expression laid, lie down speaks of rest. Just as a literal shepherd would care for his sheep, the Lord as a shepherd knew how to make David rest when he needed it. Listen, I know a lot of people in this community, I, mean, I love all of you, but some of you don't know when to rest. You don't. If, if I could just do a little bit more, if I could just do it. Sometimes you need to take a rest and say, God, it's up to you. The idea of Sabbath, the idea of margin, needs to be part of your walk. It needs to be. Did you know that until they've eaten sufficiently, that sheep will not lay down? They will not, unless they have a full stomach. They will mill around, they'll continue to nibble until their, their, their stomachs are full, and then they will lay down. So 
the very nation, that the very notion that Lord as shepherd making a sheep lie down, it means that he is sufficiently provided for them. And then they will lay down. Psalm 23b, he leads me beside the still waters. That means that there's, there's water around. The shepherd knows where the water is and they can have, take the time to drink fully. And so it says, he leads me. This is David talking about God. He leads me. It means that God is his leader. That David follows him. You know what? You cannot drive a sheep. You can't. You can drive cattle, but you cannot drive a sheep. You need, and that's why a lot of people have sheep dogs. Okay, back in those days you didn't. You have to, shepherd had to find other ways. When Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, he says, sheep will not go to a stranger who recognizes the voice of the shepherd and they follow him. So this is where he leads me. He's not pushing. He is coming and said, come with me. And the sheep obeys him because they know who the shepherd is. And so, again, let's remember, okay, the Lord is my shepherd. Do I recognize his voice? Do I hear his voice? That's, that's an important question. As you dive into the word of God, as you are continually reading, as we are doing it as a community every day the word of the lord you will begin to recognize the the word of god as it comes into your brain and you will know that is god speaking to you that is jesus speaking to you and you can act accordingly in obedience if he is your shepherd okay 233 He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, he's leading the sheep in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sometimes those paths are not straight paths. Sometimes they are paths around things. But they're ways of righteousness. Do you know, how do you become righteous? Let me tell you what it looks like in my life. Making mistakes. And learning from them. I would love to tell you, you know, every time since I came to know Jesus, my paths have been straight. I've done everything right. <laughs> no. I'm the one that learns from the school of hard knocks or learns from experience that how not to do things because I did them my way instead of God's way. And so when it says that God leads you through paths of righteousness, this is something that is an ongoing process. You know, this is where we are constantly shaped and molded in our life to follow God 
righteously. Okay, Psalm 23, 4. By the way, let me talk about it. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Now, we, we start talking about the soul. start thinking about uh, spiritual things. But in, in, the, in the Hebrew, the, the, the word for soul here is more, he restores me. He restores my life. The one thing that's interesting about the word restore here is that means something is deficient. Something needs to be restored. A brand new car doesn't need to be restored. It's one that has been used, one is that has been seen the elements of weather, some of the ones that, you know, someone spills a shake in the, in the bucket seat, and it dries, and it gets crusty, and then you have a little stain. Anybody know about that? Oh my gosh, those are my cars. And so when it talks about being restored, this means restoration. So in life, we need to be restored. And oftentimes, we can't do it. We need something outside ourselves to restore us. And that's where Jesus comes in. He can restore your soul. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 4, in my humble estimation, is one of the most... That's, this is the central part of Psalm 23. Because for, for a number of reasons. One... Is it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Did you see the change in tense? It used to be David's talking, Well, the Lord is my shepherd. He's talking about God. He's talking about God. He's, and all of a sudden he goes, But you, he's speaking to God directly. The change in tense. At what point does he begin to just quit talking about God and talking to God? Because he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's what you don't hear in, chapter, in verse 4. Here's what you don't hear. He takes me away from the shadow of death. He protects me from going into the valley of the shadow of death. No! Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Guys, I'm sure many of you are thinking right now, gosh, I remember when I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. There are all kinds of troubles you've gone through. Listen, one of the things we do know about God is that he's always with us. He's never not with us. So yes, you may go through the valley of the shadow of death, but you know it, you will not do it alone. There are other verses, there are other psalms Jeremy did a great sermon on Psalm 139. talked about, where can I go, Lord, where you will not be there? I can go to the heavens. I can go to the depths. I can go to the other side of the ocean. Where can I go where you're not there? You 
you, there's nowhere you can go where God is not there. And as a covenantal believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, said something even better. He says, and lo, I am with you always until the end of the earth, end of the age. What? So he is with you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with you. And I, I think that's good news. And it says, because you are with me, I will fear no evil. You know what? We have a lot of fear. But evil should not be one of them. As a covenantal, I agree that, Lord, you are my shepherd. I, shouldn't, I should not fear evil. You shouldn't. Now, you need to be aware of the devil. You need to be aware of evil. But you don't need to fear it. You don't need to fear it. Faith over fear is what I'm hearing. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That always puzzled me as a kid. Wait, your rod and your staff, they comfort me? What the heck does that mean? Let's let's just address this for a second. The idea of a shepherd having a rod, this is the offensive weapon of a shepherd. It's not for the sheep. It's for any other animal or predator that might come on and try to attack the sheep. That rod is a club that will either chase away or smack on the head or kill a predator that wants to get to the sheep. So when David talks about the rod, this is the protection of God. So, if God is your shepherd, you will be protected because you are one of his. You are his sheep. And he will protect you. I mean, eternally. There's a lot of people that want the protection of God. But it's not just the rod. It's the staff. The staff is for the sheep. The staff one that has a little hook on it so you can pull the sheep back, back into the fold to try to get people to guide them a certain way. Listen, lots of people want to have the protection of God, but they don't want to have God telling them what to do and where to go. They don't. I know I don't. Sometimes I, ooh, because I, I don't, I want to go this way. And God says, no, you need to do this. Why? What the heck? You know what? A shepherd doesn't care about the why. A shepherd knows what's safe and what's not. And so he guides his sheep. You know, the, the staff is the one that we always sort of fight up against. We want the rod. I mean, not to hit us over the head, but to protect us. But the, the staff is what... You know what? The Word of God is the staff of God. He tells you this is the way you should do things. And things will go well for you. I mean, read the Torah. It says that, Moses says that all the time to the people of Israel. And they do the exact opposite. 
And you go, oh, those people are so stiff-necked, crazy. And then I look in the mirror and I go, huh, that's me. So the staff is meant as a comfort. Doing what God wants you to do. The stepping out in faith. Even though it looks like it's not the right way to do it, it's against my, my own, my very being, you should still do it. Because God has your best interest at heart. Okay, so now we've gone from David talking about God, about God, then he's talking to God, and then it switches metaphors. We had God as the shepherd. And now in verses 5 and 6, it's God as host. And he says this. Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Wow. God is now the eternal host and he's bidding his guest to come. And he prepares a bountiful feast for his guest to come. And before he even sits down, he anoints his head with oil, which in Eastern time you did that as a sign of, of honor. And it also is, my cup runneth over. In, in Eastern times they would pour the cup until it was flowing over, meaning you are special and that whatever you want, it's all yours. Yeah. So this is that feast that the host is being invited, the guest is being invited to be treated super special. And it says, in the presence of my enemies. We talked a little about this a couple of weeks ago. But what God is doing in the presence of David's enemies is he is vindicating David. He's saying, this guy is mine. You guys can talk all your smack about him all you want, but he is mine. And he is being led in ways of righteousness, paths of righteousness. He is looking to me, and so he, even with the enemies in his presence, he is receiving a great meal. Okay? Let me tell you what, and this not just speaks in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, that for eternity here, okay, Revelation 19.9 says this. This is John speaking. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. So not only does David talking about this banquet that, that he is being brought up ultimately as a covenantal believer in Jesus Christ, we've got a feast to attend. The wedding feast of the Lamb. And we are going to get a great spread, and it will be united of all the believers. I'm talking, that's a big table. And as people come to know Jesus, that table is getting bigger from all nations 
In 23.6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not just during the time, the present tense. This is forever. And it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In the actual, literal Hebrew translation, it's pursuing me. Goodness and mercy, it means God's love, will be pursuing me, chasing me. Rather than the enemies chasing me, I've got God's goodness, God's mercy, and it's chasing me. His love, you can't get away from it. I was talking with my son a few years ago. He goes, I feel like God's chasing me. I told him, let him catch you. Let him catch you. Let God's love as he pursues you with his goodness. And his, let him catch you with his goodness and his mercy. So that you can live in the house of the Lord. You guys... When Jesus was with his disciples, and he says, guys, i got to go. And they're like, what? Where are you going? And they're freaking out. He says, i got to go. i got to go prepare a place for you, a mansion. That's the house of God. That's our eternal destination where we will hang out with God. Personally, he'll know you by his special name. You'll know him by his special name. You guys will be tight. Man, I can't wait for that. And you'll do it forever. And when you think about that, when you think about our final destination will be with God, with Yahweh, the creator of the universe, the one who was willing to come down to earth and to die for our sins, to pay the price that we couldn't pay, so that we could hang out with him for eternity, I can go through a lot of stuff here on this earth. I can put up with a lot of junk because I know where I end up. I know the end of the story. God gave us the end of the story. We just got to hang on and keep pressing on and being diligent and faithful and allowing God to be our shepherd. I'd like to finish with some a conclusion of again with revelation. In chapter 7, verses 15 through 17, this is John witnessing the end of the age. And he says this, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Wait, is that your God's house here? And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore, nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. 
For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will, get this, shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Does that sound exciting? I mean, does that, does that stir something in you? That we can actually allow God to be our shepherd. That's my desire for you. That's my desire for me. So the next time you read the Psalm 23, remember when you say the Lord is my shepherd, that he truly is. Won't you stand? Father God, we come before you. Father God, in prayer, I'm not going to talk about you. I'm going to talk to you. Father God, thank you so much that you are my shepherd. Thank you for your rod and your staff that protect me and guide me. Help me, Lord, to walk the path of righteousness. And help me to stay strong for the rest of my days as I give you glory with my life as I reach out to others and love others like you love me. Help me in this endeavor, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.